Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvat Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us on Zoom or in the building Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. For the Zoom link, please contact tikvatdirector at gmail.com or contact us on our website, tikvatisrael.com. There you can also support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and find helpful resources. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. Well, I went to the Torah portion, and as you mentioned earlier, Rabbi, Numbers chapter 6, verses 22 to 27, speak of the blessing of Aaron and his sons over the people of Israel. And the blessing, the content of the blessing is, is this: Yevarechecha Adonai veYishmerecha, Yeer Adonai panava lecha vechunecha, Yisa Adonai panava lecha veYasem lecha shalom. Reading from verse twenty-two in English, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, "Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you.'" The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Then verse 27, so they put my name, they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. In this short message, I want us to look at this ironic blessing. I I hope to awaken in us an even greater desire to live a blessed life. I'm going to remind us of how we can experience God's blessings in a greater way. And I hope to challenge each of us, including myself, to share with others the blessings that God pours into us. First of all, I want to make this very simple point, and that is God wants to bless us. Says that that it makes it clear that God wants to bless us. And in fact, this blessing of Aaron and his sons is to you, but not you all speaking to those that are a little bit in the South, you in the singular, lecha, not lechem, not you, plural. So God's blessing is something that is personalized. It's for each of us individually, as well as the wider body of God's kingdom. God's care and attention are not distributed vaguely, but they're addressed personally to each of us. The Lord's favor and benevolence like warm sunlight casts a glow on our lives, dispelling the shadows of doubt and fear. And this blessing that God promises isn't limited to material or physical things, but God offers a whole spectrum of spiritual blessings. It can be love, peace, strength. Uh, They're not just for the moment either. They're, They're for everlasting, enduring through all of life's ups and downs. Now, when God blesses us, it means he wants what's good for us. We experience his blessings sometimes, and we don't really take them as blessings. And sometimes we go through very difficult times, and we only know later that going through those difficult times was, in fact, a blessing. It somehow was good for us. And that's really the essence of blessing. God knows what's good for us, and he blesses us in that way. 
Of course, it can include having children, good health, wisdom, long life, joy. Picture a loving father who wants his children to flourish. So he provides for their needs. He watches over their growth. He delights in their joy. And that's our God. And we we know God's not just a distant, uninterested deity, but he's intimately involved in the details of our lives and wants to increase the good in our lives. Now, knowing that God wants to bless us, I want us to be encouraged to seek to receive those blessings. They're not necessarily automatic. We should seek to receive them. Remember Jacob in Genesis chapter 32. He wrestled with God all night, and he boldly declared these words, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Have you ever been that earnest and desiring God's blessing? Don't let me go, God, until you bless me. I think we have permission to do that. I think we're encouraged to do that. Jacob's tenacity teaches us an invaluable lesson about pursuing God's blessing. Like a child holding on to the hem of their parents' garment, we should hold on to God, earnestly seeking his blessing, seeking him with all our hearts, as it says in Psalm 119, verse 2. So I want to encourage you this morning to be like Jacob, earnestly seeking God's blessing in every season, in every circumstance, in every area of your life. It's not really an act of self-interest, but an act of faith that says, God, I trust you. I need you. Bless me. And later, I'm going to tell you that we get those blessings primarily so that we can be a blessing to others. Now, here are some ways that God wants to bless us. First of all, he wants to keep us. If you look in our text, you'll see that in verse 24, the Lord bless you and keep you. In Psalm 121, we read, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. As we navigate the turbulent waves of our lives in this world, the promise of God's preserving power, his keeping power is an anchor. You might be going through a difficult time, maybe in the wilderness like the Israelites, but let me remind you. Psalm 5 verse 12 says, For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. You will surround him as with a shield, as with a shield. God keeps us even in hard times. I think of the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon of the Mount. Yeshua actually says, blessed are those who mourn. And he says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. So even when we're going through difficult times, times of mourning, times of persecution or rejection or the devil himself coming against us, we have this promise of God's comfort. We have the promise of his faithful keeping. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3, it affirms that he will establish us and guard us from the evil one. We also learn that God wants us to experience his presence. That's a, a maybe the most important kind of blessing that we receive from him. In Numbers 6, verse 25, in this Aaronic blessing, it says this, The Lord make his face 
shine upon you. And then verse 26, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. We know that this word face, typically in the Old Testament, in the Tanakh, refers to God's presence. Yes, we get this anthropomorphic view of God as having a face, but really it's speaking about his presence with us. His countenance is his presence. I remember the the glory of the Lord that appeared to the Israelites in Leviticus chapter 9 and verse 23. And I see the Lord's blessing upon the household of Obededom when the Ark of the Covenant remained with him for a season. And we should be like those who dwell in God's house, continually praising him. That's the place of blessing in his presence, in his house. How incredible it is that the creator of the universe wants intimacy with you and me. I love Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. It says, and Yeshua is saying this, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. This invitation to dine with him signifies fellowship, communion, closeness, intimacy. God's face, his countenance, his presence signifies his attention, him looking toward us, focused on us and interested in everything about us. And then we see that God wants his light to shine on us. We see this also in this benediction. This divine light is a mark of God's favor and guidance. Psalm 89 verse 15 says, Blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. They walk, O Lord, in the light of your countenance. God's light illuminates our path and helps us reflect his glory to the world. And then I want us to see that God blesses us by being gracious to us. Number 625, it says, The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Gracious to you. What an amazing promise. Amazing grace. Unmerited favor. He showers us with blessing that we don't deserve. This grace is not something we earn It's a gift that we receive. Now, here are some things that you and I can do to be even more blessed. In other words, to experience what God knows is best for us. First of all, if we obey God, we can experience more of his blessing. It's clear in the word. Deuteronomy 28, verse 1 and 2 says, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands, The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. If you obey the Lord your God. And if you have time later today or over this weekend, go and read that full chapter, Deuteronomy 28, the list of so many types of blessings that God wants to give us, but they're conditioned on us being obedient to him. Like a loving parent who wants the best for his child, God's commands are not burdensome, but life-giving. So let me challenge us 
to strive to walk in obedience every day, knowing that it opens a way for God's abundant, rich blessings. Secondly, to experience more of God's blessings, we need to recognize that we do sin, that we often disobey. Certainly none of us loves the Lord our God with all our being. We all fall short of that glory, of that command. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so we need to be honest with ourselves and just recognize that we do sin. And as soon as we sin, we should be quick to confess our sins. I think of uh, Peter preaching to the crowd gathered at Jerusalem's uh, or Solomon's portico in Jerusalem. And his message was heard by the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees, and they would they arrested him. And he and John, they arrested and warned them never to preach concerning Yeshua again. But here's one of the most powerful things about Yeshua and the blessing he brought to the Jewish people and later to the rest of the world that Peter includes in his preaching in that passage. He says this, to you first, God, having raised up his servant Yeshua, sent him to bless you. Yeshua sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. Wow, no wonder he got arrested. Uh, there were some people in that crowd that didn't think they had any iniquities. They were, they were so faithful to obey God in every way, but we all know that we sin, and we need to be ready to confess those sins as quickly as possible. How can we tap into Yeshua's blessing? 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confession. It's not merely admitting our mistakes, but it's agreeing with God about our sins. He already knows what they are. It's acknowledging the disobedience and rebellion and our lack of holiness that we need to acknowledge, as God already knows, the deepest parts in our souls. When we have a contrite heart, God will open up his doors of blessing to us. And here's another point. Receive God's grace by trusting in Yeshua as Savior. We can't receive the fullness of his grace, which is promised to us if we'll receive it. We have to put our whole trust and faith in Yeshua the Messiah, trusting not just in an intellectual assent kind of way, but a personal, wholehearted faith and reliance on him for our salvation. And as we surrender to him, we open up our lives to the inflow of God's abundant blessings. And then we receive God's peace. It says here, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. How can we get this peace? True peace in the most deepest parts of our being, peace that passes all comprehension happens through the work of Yeshua on the cross. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Paul writes, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Yeshua the Messiah. 
Yeshua, our high priest, has made the perfect, has offered the perfect sacrifice in himself, securing peace and reconciliation with God. He bore our sins. He absorbed God's righteous wrath. And that has opened up the way for us to be at peace with God. What a blessing to know God's peace in a very difficult and divided world and with so much conflict. Now, my final main point really is this. As we experience God's blessing for ourselves, let's find ways to bless others. We are blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed to bless. Genesis chapter 12, verse 2 says I will to, to Abraham, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Let me read that again. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Psalm 67 verses 1 and 2 gives it, makes it clear that the blessing that we receive is not meant to be kept to ourselves. Instead, we're told to be channels of that blessing, spreading his grace and making his salvation known to all people. Now, I want to make this point. We look at this, and it's the blessing that is given by Aaron and his sons as priests. They get this awesome privilege to bless others. But, you know, 1 Peter 2.9 in the New Covenant, in the Brit HaDashah, it says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you Bring praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You and I have the privilege of being priests, in a sense, mediators of God's blessing to the rest of the world. Not mediators of salvation, only Yeshua. He's the only mediator between us and God and between God and us. But we are conduits. We are mediators of God's blessing. We're not to hug jealously to God's blessings, but we're, we're to be generous in giving them away. In God's grand plan, we're to serve as conduits. The overflow of his blessings, we're to, we're to send out like conduits to the rest of the world. But just as the Lord blessed Egypt, the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, we're his instruments. We're called to mediate blessings to others. Now, sometimes it's difficult to bless certain people. Um, our enemies, those who hate us, those who might persecute us for our faith. It's tempting to even curse these people, but we're told clearly that we're to bless and not curse. John chapter 3, verse 17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn, but to save. And with that same spirit, we're not to curse, but we're to bless. As followers of Yeshua, we're called to be merciful, Matthew 5, 7. We're to be peacemakers, Matthew 5, 9. This is all in the Sermon of the Mount. We're called to extend God's love even to those who stand against us. Included in that is we're to pray for people, even our enemies. Just as the priesthood was designed to serve as intermediaries between God and his people, and 
between people and God, we're called to intercede for others in prayer. Like a bridge connecting two riverbanks, our prayers are, are to connect people to God's grace. Yeshua, our high priest, is always interceding for us. And likewise, we're instructed to pray for those who even spitefully use us. So we don't curse, but we bless. And we don't curse the darkness, but we're really called to shine a light. This is what we read in the blessing of Aaron and his sons. That we are to, that says the Lord make his face shine on you. And we're to be in the image of God. We're to go from glory to glory to be like God's son, Yeshua. And God wants to shine Yeshua's light on us and through us. So should we, we should never let our light shine just through our own situation and our own immediate loved ones, but we're to shine the good works that God desires for us to, to shine so that others around us will, will glorify our Heavenly Father. That's in Matthew 5, 16. We may want to think of ourselves as lighthouses in a dark world, guiding lost ships to safe harbors. As God has offered us his blessing, as he has made us recipients of his grace and mercy, we're called to extend grace and mercy to others, especially those who are seekers. Yeshua, our high priest, is faithful. He's merciful. And we're to be like that welcoming innkeeper in the parable of the Good Samaritan, providing shelter and care to those in need. And we're to be like the Samaritan himself, who cares even for the stranger. Let me just remind you that when we increasingly live the blessed life, increasingly we experience the fruit of the blessed life, people will want what we have. They'll want to taste and see what we've experienced. Taste and see that the Lord is good. When we're really experiencing God's blessing and we're generous with those blessings, it draws others to the light of God's grace. It provokes others to jealousy. And that's, of course, what we're called to do in relation to the Jewish people and Israel in Romans 11. Provoking to envy that people will want the blessings that we enjoy. And we're to tell them where to get it, that they can find it in Yeshua. Imagine our lives as lush, fruitful trees, providing shade and sustenance and inviting others to partake and enjoy this same fruit. So remember, the blessings we receive from God are not merely for our own consumption. We are not just consumers, but we're exporters of God's blessings. These blessings are seeds intended to be sown into the lives of others. Let's be diligent in spreading those blessings. Let's be diligent in spreading the gospel, the good news of Yeshua. Let's aim to bless others as generously as God, our Father, blesses us. And then we read finally in verse 27 of, num of number 6, So they shall put my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them.
when we identify fully with God. His name is upon us. As we do everything we do in his name, we'll experience more and more of his blessing and be able to share it with others. We have these words, it is more blessed to give than receive. Let's give. Let's be blessed to be a blessing. Lord, we ask you to help us. We can't do this on our own. We're weak. We're inconsistent. We're not always faithful to obey you and to follow all of these principles that lead to blessing. Lord, fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit who empowers us to live lives that bring glory to your name. May we not leave this time together without recommitting ourselves to be the blessing you've called us to be. In Yeshua's name, amen.